And don't ever forget that. It's one of my favorite clips. Thank you for the worship set. Obviously, if you listen to it very carefully, everything tied in together to what we want to share this morning. And even though I know Kristen's not standing there, wow, did that violin add something. That was gorgeous. I'm blessed, and I know that. I'm blessed to have a great mom who's still alive that I got to talk to between services. I'm blessed to have a great wife who is a great mom to my two daughters who are wonderful moms to their sons. And I certainly know that. But every once in a while, we find ourselves in situations or in circumstances where we feel like we've got to live up to somebody else's expectation of what we're supposed to be. You come here on a Mother's Day every once in a while, and maybe somewhere in your past or along the way, you've heard a pastor stand up and read Proverbs 31, and he's described to you in that context the kind of Proverbs mom or woman you're supposed to be. The one who rises early in the morning, who searches the best deal of the day, who works nonstop, who cares for her family, who does everything she possibly can to live up to everybody's expectation. And you go away from that service thinking, I don't know if I'll ever be that kind of woman. I'm just lucky to survive the day. I'm just thrilled when I can have a normal conversation with an adult. I love the fact that I don't have to cut up my husband's food. I just want five minutes alone. Do you ever feel like that? So you hear all of those descriptions of the Proverbs 31 mom, or maybe you had that mom that everybody talks about. Nobody ever says that to you, but every once in a while you feel somebody saying, boy, I wish you were more like your mom. Or your grandma, that classic grandmother who makes absolutely no mistakes who is absolutely perfect, and you find yourself just trying to survive the day. And all of a sudden, you hear her or think about her or know what she was like, and you think, I'll never measure up to anybody's else's expectation of what I'm supposed to be. And if you've seen the theme this morning from beginning to end and how we're going to end this morning, you and I are God's masterpieces, designed as he wants you to be, placed where he wants you to be, doing what he wants you to be, not what somebody else wants you to be or what somebody expects you to be, especially in a context like this. There's a lot of gals who sit in a service like this who would love to be called mom and haven't been. Who would love to bear a child and can't. Who would have loved to have had a great role model in their life who didn't. And so I just never want you to come on a Sunday morning, especially a day like this when everybody celebrates moms and we certainly want to do that and we'll do that all day long and think, well, I don't fit or it doesn't apply to me at all. It really does. Because you and I are God's masterpieces. And so what he wants you to be and how he's designed you is what we want you to come this morning and share. Whether you had that great mom or didn't, whether you had that incredible grandmother or, or didn't, or whether or not you have a son or a daughter and can't, you are God's masterpiece. Now, for those of you who are married, not only on all top of the other things that go on in your life, you're married to us. I had my admin look up some of the dumbest gifts that husbands got their wives on Mother's Day. You almost blow up the computer when you do stuff like that. An alarm clock, a treadmill, there's a good gift, 
a vacuum cleaner, a new pet, wrinkle cream. <laughs> there you go. How are you going to sell that one? I listened to a radio station the other day, and they were saying, what's some of the craziest gifts your husband's got you? And one lady said, one time, as I got older, I looked in the mirror and said, one of these days, I'm going to need an electric razor. What do you think they got me that year for a Mother's Day gift? An electric razor. I looked at my husband after the kids who were so excited that that's what they were getting me for Christmas and said, what were you thinking? Well, I heard you say you want one someday. I did not want one someday. She just kept going on and on. One guy got his wife an all-day gift to a spa on Mother's Day and gave it to her. And she thought, what a wonderfully thoughtful gift. She came home a little bit earlier than expected, and of course you know where it's going, only to find out that he had invited a bunch of guys over for a football game, kids crying all over the house, and the house was absolutely totaled. Started out as a happy day for a mom. It didn't end as a happy day for a mom. Measuring up to everybody else's expectation is incredibly difficult. I lived there, <laughs> so I know what it's like. I'm sure somewhere along the way I've disappointed some of you Maybe all of you at one point or the other. I didn't remember your name, shake your hand, support your cause, or know that you had been absent for a while. And I'm sorry for all of those things. One of the things the gospel sometimes shares with us is Jesus' frustrations. And one of the things that he was frustrated with, especially with the Pharisees, is they were always looking to one another for approval. One author wrote, how much good is left undone because of our fear of the opinion of others? Some of us are always wondering, what will others say? Well, what do they think I should be? Am I measuring up to everybody else's expectations? And what we need to remember is that our value is not in what we do or how well we do it, but who we are in Christ and becoming all that he created us to be. And then out of that relationship, we begin to do. Our value is not in what we do or how well we do it, but who we are in Christ and becoming all that he created us to be. And then what we do comes out of that relationship that we have with him. Genesis 127, a very outset of scripture, God identifies our identity when he said God created us in his image. God created us, you and I, male and female, he created them, placing incredibly high value on us by creating us in his image. Our self-esteem so often comes from what others say about us or what we think we should be, but God, from the very outset of creation, elevates our self-esteem by creating us in his image. Said in 139, the psalm that she quoted there this morning, you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. Ephesians, which is one of my favorite books of the Bible, says, you are God's masterpiece, handcrafted by God. You may not fit into everybody else's expectation of what you're to be, but I'm telling you, you're exactly what he wants you to be. You are handcrafted by God, hand-formed by him. That's why the psalmist would say, what am I that you're that mindful of me? I mean, what is man that you are that mindful of him that you would make me in your image, that you would handcraft me to become what you've designed me to be? This morning, I want to look at women in general. I want to talk about being a woman of God, being the woman that God designed you to be. Whether you're a mom or not isn't even necessarily the issue this morning, but being all that God designed you to be. Some cannot physically be one, 
Some aren't feeling they're called to be one. Some are single and won't be one for a while, maybe not ever. And the bigger picture is being all that God designed you to be. I want to take a moment this morning and just walk through Scripture. I'm going to give you some examples, many of them you know. Some of them you've heard before, I'm sure, through the years. Hannah, one of the most familiar ones to us, is found in 1 Samuel. Who is the one that we talk about the most when we talk about baby dedications? We'll refer somewhere along the way to Hannah and then obviously to Mary and Joseph when they brought Jesus. Now, we're different in our context here in that we dedicate children and baptize believers. Next Sunday morning, you'll see that as well. Some of you grew up in contexts where you as a baby were baptized. We baptize believers, followers of Jesus Christ who recognize and identify that and then follow him in that context of baptism. But we dedicate children. And really what we're doing, as I did this morning, is we're dedicating parents. The child will not remember what happened this particular day, but the parents hopefully always will. And we'll look at them and say, do you realize and recognize the gift you've been given by God? And I hope you really appreciate that gift because not everyone gets one like that. And do you understand the responsibility that comes with that? And so when we dedicate, we say it, we're dedicating the children, we're dedicating the parents to a covenant before Almighty God and their family and friends that they're going to do everything they possibly can to model in front of that little one that God has entrusted into their care the kind of life that you want them to emulate. Now the difference between Hannah and Samuel is when Hannah came back to dedicate Samuel, she left him there. Please don't do that here. (laughs) We're asking when we do dedications here is that you take them home and not leave them with us. The interesting thing about Hannah's story is that she basically felt like her fulfillment, her identity and who she was, was in bearing a child. And so when she, up to that particular point, couldn't, she lost all hope. She thought, I'm only here for one reason. Now, again, I understand the culture, and I know you do as well, in that many times in Old Biblical Testament or Old Testament context, as well, sometimes in a new, they felt like that there was their sole purpose on earth was to have a child. And so she's coming from that vantage point. I understand that. The sad part about her story is she missed all the other wonderful things going on around her because she thought or felt her only identity was found in being a mom and having a child. Sometimes what we want overshadows what we have. Sometimes what we want overshadows what we have. Hannah's depression was so great that she couldn't recognize the evidences of God's grace all around her. Had an incredibly sympathetic husband who came to her at one point and said, am I not more valuable than ten sons? And you love that kind of attitude. Most guys would just say, come on. And say something negative, but he said, do you not understand how much I love you? It has nothing to do with whether or not you can bear children. I just want you to know how much I love you and how much I care about you. So often we get down and depressed and unable to see the good things that God has done for us and all the evidences of his love and grace. Her perspective was so colored by her personal tragedy that she couldn't see the beauty around her. Finally, she took two really good steps. One, she took her bitterness to God. Instead of holding it in and letting it color her whole world for the rest of her life, she immediately took that to God, which is the very first thing you ought to do when you're going through deep waters. Things that you don't understand, things that you wish were different, lifestyles, circumstances, family relationships. Not every mom in here 
got a thank you card or a I love you card or a breakfast this morning from a sibling, from a husband, from a wife, or from a, a, a family member, from a child. Some of them don't know where their kids are. Some of them haven't heard in some of their front sons and daughters for a long period of time. And sometimes we, we forget all of that. And so she immediately took that to God. And secondly, she began to rearrange her priorities and realize, you know what? It's not about me. It's not about this son. It's not about what I get out of this. It's about what I can give. And so, God, would you give me a son so that I can use him and lay him before you so that he can bless others. So it's not necessarily anymore about me but it's about him. And God did. Blessed her, and she came, presented that one to, to Eli, and who blessed him, and then, as I said a moment ago, she left him there. Don't do that. In the book of Esther, there's a young gal, if you've never heard the story, you ought to go back and look at it, who honestly was just chosen simply for her beauty. And she could have used that for her advantage. She could have ran with that and let that define her for the rest of her life, but she didn't at all. She found herself in an unusual situation in that she had the opportunity to step out of her comfort zone and to confront the king and to try to do everything she possibly could to rescue the people of Israel who that wicked king was about to destroy through the witness of another individual. I don't know if you've ever been there in situations where you feel like, I sense that God is calling me to do this, but I don't think I could ever do that. If you sense that, you ought to go back and read her life and read her story. Because every once in a while, you find yourself in a position where God strategically places you with this person in this family, in that situation, in that neighborhood, in that job, or by that neighbor, so that God can use you in remarkable ways that no one else can. And sometimes you've got to see the larger picture instead of where I'm at and the struggle I'm in and the difficulty that I find myself and say, okay, God, how can you best use me with the people around me? I'm not crazy about where I'm at. I may not be crazy about this particular job or the guy I've got to work for. Or the list could be endless. But instead of all of that, say, God, how can you use me for the benefit of other people? And she literally changed history at that point particular point by her willingness to confront the king to deal with that and save the people of Israel. In the book of Judges chapter 4, you find a lady named Deborah who didn't have any children that we know of, but led the children of Israel into battle when Barak wouldn't go with her. God honored her willingness and position, led the Israelites into victory. Sometimes as a woman, you'll be asked to step into roles that others back away from. And if God asks you to do that, do it. The book of Ruth, you find a lady by the name of Naomi who was a model of what happens when life seems unfair. Who lost her husband and felt like her value was only in her marital status as opposed to who she was as a child of God. Not everybody in our audience gets married. And sometimes you come to a Mother's Day setting and you say, well, I'm not sure if that's what I want to be or if God has that design for me, but I'm glad you can speak to them, maybe God has something very specific and unique for you. In her case, she thought that her value was only in her marital status as opposed to who she was. Many in our audience here have lost their mate. Most of statistics tell us that women outlive men. 
Now, I said years ago, it's because you kill us, but I don't mean it that way. <laughs> Not physically kill us, you know what I mean. But really, you, you, you are wonderful models for a lot of us in an audience like ours, especially as I've been here for such a long period of time, of ladies who with such grace and class took what God did in that circumstance of having her here and her spouse gone and watched, I watched them become unbelievable models to other people of grace in the midst of losing your partner. Who others look at, and I hear story after story after story after story in all the years that I've been here, of saying it's just incredible to watch her and to watch her and to watch her and to watch her. They lost a, a husband, they lost a child, and they stood so faithful to God and were such incredibly wonderful models of that faithfulness. And so if in that, indeed, in the circumstance that you find yourself in, I just want you to know there's a lot of people watching your life who are unbelievably blessed by the grace, grace that you have shared and shown as you walk through those difficult circumstances of life. Sometimes life brings an enormous amount of pain. And I need you to know that God honors how you respond to that by the lives of those who watch your life and have learned and gained from it. New Testament models all over the New Testament of people who have embraced who they were in Christ. Tabitha or Dorcas in Acts chapter 9 who was known for doing good and helping the poor. Priscilla who served right alongside her husband in discipling young individuals. Philip's daughters in Acts 21 who were known specifically for their spiritual gifts and the way they used their spiritual gifts. Ephesians chapter 4 says he has given some apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Not given men those gifts. He has given some. He has given whom he wants those to be apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. The point is, obviously, to be everything that God has designed you to be. Not what you think you should be, not what others think you should be, but what God has designed you to be. Do your best to seek his guidance, follow his plan, find fulfillment in that, and model to the next generation because I'm telling you, there are people who are watching your life all over this audience. So Paul says in Corinthians chapter 10, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. If you're, mom, if you're a mom, be thrilled with that. Be the best that God has designed you to be. You have an incredible opportunity to influence the next generation. If God hasn't blessed you with children, find fulfillment in what he has done at that particular moment. If you're a man and you're around one of these type of women, encourage them to be all that God designed them to be. Pray for them. Pray with them. Pray over them. Lift them up. Encourage them because God certainly, certainly if you're a mom in our audience this morning, would you do me a favor? Would you stand so that I can pray for you? By the way, thank you for being a great mom to a lot of people who maybe you don't know really watch your life. Now, if you're a, a woman in our audience, would you stand? That means everybody else but guys. Because this sermon is about you, about all of you. Whatever God has designed you to be, whatever he's called you to be, however he's wired you and equipped you, he thinks you're incredible.
so much so that he calls you his daughters, and he is delighted in you. Father, I thank you that we can elevate moms, we can lift them up, we can encourage them and pray for them, and call them up, send them a card, have a picture with them this morning, tell them how much we value them, how deeply appreciative we are of the life they've invested into us. I'm a product of that, of a mom who just loved me like crazy, who believed in me when I didn't believe in myself, who constantly, continually encourages me. Father, I thank you for the gals in our audience this morning at whatever they do, whoever they are, help them to recognize and acknowledge and understand this morning they are your daughters that you love like crazy. You're so excited in who they are and where they're going and what they're doing in life and what they're becoming and where they're going to go and all of those things. Help them to be so wonderfully comfortable in who they are in you that they enjoy the moment of being acknowledged this morning as a woman of God. And so bless them in their journey as they follow after you. Thank you for your grace, for your love, for these incredible models all over our audience this morning who have blessed CAC by being a part of our family. Help them to enjoy today to the fullest. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Man, would you stand and join us? Thank you.